0: If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. All right, how's everybody doing? You should be doing well after what just happened, so all right. So today, I'm going to talk about having success with less effort. Aren't you glad that you came to church today? Uh, one thing about truth is it must be applied to have an effect. Can i going to say that again. For truth, truth must be applied to have an effect. It's like saying, you know, doctor, that, that prescription never worked for me. Well, did you take it? Well, I didn't take it, but it never worked. Come on. So I believe that this truth that I'm going to share with you today is going to give you an advantage over any situation that you face. Come on, it's going to be good. So it will cause you to have great success with less effort. That's always nicer, isn't it? So my hope for today is that you would walk out of this building with a new perspective on your circumstances, as well as the tools to walk out your journey with wisdom have you ever heard the saying, well, they're not the, the sharpest tool in the shed? Has anybody ever said that about you? No? <laughs> you've heard the saying before. So today I want to encourage you to sharpen your axe. So this truth is is super practical. Yes, it does have spiritual uh, applications. But this truth, I believe if if you put it, if you uh, apply it in your life, you're going to have greater success with less effort. So Ecclesiastes 10.10. You can't get any more basic than this. If the axe is dull, say dull, and he does not sharpen its edge, say sharpen, then he must exert more strength. Say strength. Strength. But wisdom, say wisdom, Wisdom. to sharpen the axe helps him, say succeed, Succeed. with less effort. I would say that's a pretty simple truth. If the axe is dull, you're going to have to use more strength to get the job done. But wisdom to sharpen the axe will cause you to have more success with less effort. I know, real deep, right? One thing interesting about the axe is it's a tool that will lose its effectiveness if it's not sharpened. Like you could have a hammer from 50 years ago. Do you have a tool from 50 years ago? And it still works? Still works. you got to take care of it, though, right? But an ax, right, you got to sharpen it. you got to continually sharpen it. Actually, the more you use it, the more you're going to have to sharpen it, right? Have you ever seen those chef shows on TV? If you haven't, you must not watch TV at all because they're always on. And what do they do? They have this, this sharpener thing, and before they do anything, they're like... <laughs> Right? Right? And they want to do that so that the cut is clean and they're not struggling to cut through it. Because one of the things with the chef, they have to do it quickly, right? Because people want their food now. No one's like, man, I wish it would have taken a little bit longer to come. If it doesn't come right away, Donna, right, they get on the list, don't they? They get on the list, and they might never get off the list, Donna, right? <laughs> some of them have been on there for years. And so let's just take some time and pray for these restaurants because Donna, <laughs> right? So an ax is really unique because the more you use it, the more you're going to have to take time to sharpen it. And one thing that's really interesting about this scripture is it doesn't say that the job won't get done. Can you pull up the scripture again? If the axe is dull and does not sh- and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. It never said that the tree won't get chopped down. It's just saying it's going to be a lot harder. Right, It's going to be more difficult. And I believe that's an important distinction because a dull axe has the potential to chop down a tree. But guess what? It's going to be more work. Okay? Now let's look at this maybe in a situation in our life. Maybe there's tools that we've used. We have an ax or whatever. And in the beginning, man, it just worked. It didn't take much effort at all to get it accomplished. Then after a little bit, you're like, this is kind of tough. It's kind of difficult. And I'm doing the exact same thing. And then we believe the lies of the enemy and we say, what's wrong with me? But wisdom, say wisdom, Wisdom. to sharpen the axe, come on, will give him success with what? Less effort. You know, some people like to do things the hard way. That's okay. Okay. If that's you, you can raise your hand. That's fine. You could do it the hard way. That's fine. But I don't know about you, but I would like to do be more successful with less effort. Sounds good to you, doesn't it? Sounds good to me. So another thing that we need to consider is why would the ax be dull? Well, the simple answer is It's been used. Now, we know that if you take care of a tool, it will last a long time, right? So if you misuse a tool, well, that might be a reason why. But even if you use the axe and you did and you use it the way it was supposed to be used, it will need sharpening. That doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. I'm going to say that again. It doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. It just means you need to take time to sharpen it. And just like that chef, you see him doing it all the time. They're like, I cut through a carrot, we better sharpen this thing up. (laughs) Right? So how many of you can relate to maybe those type of situations in your life where you're like, man, I'm just not as effective as I used to be. Or maybe you're like, man, it was so easy in the beginning and now it's just hard work. So the scripture says, did you ever think about sharpening your ax? Ever think about it? Because it's actually wisdom to do that will give you more success with less effort. And many of you can relate to this discouragement. Many maybe even question if it's even worth it. And the problem is you haven't taken time for wisdom. Are you getting something, guys? We're like, well, it's not even worth it anymore. Forget this. Take time to sharpen your axe. And how do you sharpen your axe? You seek wisdom. And I'm going to talk and I'm going to give you some keys on how you can actually sharpen your axe. But I want to say something. A dull axe does not reveal wrongdoing. It means you actually used it. Come on. It just means you used it. I mean, if you're they're cutting down the tree and you're like, this is getting tough. The axe isn't even uh it's not even digging into the wood anymore. And then we go, what's wrong with me? Or we're like, this just isn't even worth it. This is gonna take forever. But scripture says it's wisdom to take time to sharpen the axe. I told you it was going to be practical. But wisdom to sharpen the axe helps him succeed with less effort. So what does this tell us about wisdom? That wisdom will prolong your effectiveness. When we take time to sharpen our axe, when we take time to seek wisdom... It will prolong our effectiveness. And if you have any type of experience chopping down a tree, you'll realize even if the ax is sharp, it's hard work. (laughs) Okay, I want to say this again. How many of you have ever used an ax and tried to chop down a tree? A couple people. Even if it's sharp, is it easy? No. So I'm not saying wisdom will get you out of work. Remember that story? What was it? uh, uh, Tom Sawyer? He didn't want to paint the, the, the fence. Remember that? And then he has all these friends that come over and like, this is so amazing. And they're like, you should really do this. So he used his wisdom or his cunning and he got them to do the work for him. So when I say wisdom, I'm not saying get out of work. I'm just saying, wisdom can make that job that is already difficult much easier if we take time for wisdom. Many of us have been relying solely on our effort, our strength, our passion to accomplish what the Lord has called us to do. But the truth is, passion will will get the job done even with a dull axe. Right? When you are passionate for something, you will stay up in the middle of the night chopping down a tree with a dull axe because it's the right thing to do and this is what I'm called to and I'm passionate about it. And actually, passion means to sacrifice. So the more passion you have some the more passion you have for something the more you're willing to sacrifice. But wisdom to sharpen the axe will cause you to have success with less effort. The problem with putting our attention on our passion instead of wisdom is that we romanticize our passion. So which will turn a blind eye to the possibility that through wisdom, this is easier or it could be easier and more effective. Good. Good I'm not saying we shouldn't have passion. I'm saying we should. We actually need passion. Because there's things that God has called us to do that we're going to need to sacrifice for. But if we solely look through through our eyes of passion, guess what? We are going to put ourselves in a predicament where we're not as effective if we would just take time for wisdom. And I'm not saying, well, let me say this about sharpening your axe. You have to stop what you're doing to sharpen it. Okay. See, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll keep on doing it and wait for the wisdom. And I'm not saying it has to be a day. It could be 15 minutes. I've never sharpened an axe. I don't know how long it takes. But I've seen those chefs. (laughs) What? (laughs) And they're on, they're still cutting with it. So what my point is, in order to get wisdom, you might have to take pull back from what you're doing to sharpen your tool. How many of you want to be a, a sharper tool in the shed? <laughs> but in, for, in order for us to sharpen our axe, we actually have to take off the blinders. We have to be willing to change our mindsets. I find that many people who are exhausted, wore out, fed up, are stuck in the belief that they're doing the best that they can, which is code for this is how I'm doing it, this is how it's always done, and I'm going to keep on doing it until Jesus comes back. Why are you wore out? Because you're not opening yourself up to wisdom. You're just plowing through. Just plow right through. Plow right through. And all I'm saying is, it might take 10 minutes for wisdom. It might be a longer search than 10 minutes. I don't know how dull your axe is. Come on. But you will never open yourself up to wisdom if you're stuck in this way of thinking. Well, this is how it is. This is how it's always been done. And I'm going to keep on doing it unless Jesus knocks me off of my horse. (laughs) Unless he comes in a cloud singing hallelujah, whatever. We're waiting for this big miraculous thing where we could say, Holy Spirit, I need wisdom right now. I believe that God is leading us into a season where he is requiring us to look through the lens of his wisdom, not just through the lens of our passion. Don't get me wrong. I believe that passion is important. But it must be coupled with wisdom. How many of you have ever seen people with a lot of passion with not much wisdom. How many, how many of you that was you? How many of you that is you? <laughs> but all I'm saying is that wisdom should be coupled with passion. Oh, man, that's powerful, isn't it? Could you imagine if you would take the passion that you have for something and make it and through wisdom make your tool so sharp that it's like butter? But maybe passion says, I should be hacking at this thing for all night long. Come on. But wisdom to sharpen the axe helps him succeed with less effort. So here are some questions that I have for you. And as I ask these questions, yes, I want you to think about them, but partner with the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we have blinders on. And sometimes we need people to say, hey, there's a blinder. But sometimes the Holy Spirit says, yeah, there's a blinder there. You really know it's a Holy Spirit when you're like, I feel like this is a blinder in my life. Get it, right? It's a blinder, the Holy Spirit speaking. So the question that I have for you is, how effective are my swings? When I step out to do something, is it effective? Is there noticeable progress when I swing that axe? And you'll be like, yeah, there is. And maybe some of you are like, nope, I swing that axe and it bounce right back to me. <laughs> it's like one of those rubber balls. And maybe you might be thinking, yeah, in the beginning there was obvious progress, but now there's just very little. So maybe you're looking at what God has called you to do, and you're like, in the beginning, man, it was just moving so fast, and and I was having great success with not a lot of effort, but now it's just a struggle. Are your swings effective? Are you making progress with your effort? Could it be, just the thought, that you need to sharpen your axe? Could it be? Here's another question. If you could take a step back and look at what you're trying to accomplish, am I exerting more strength than what is needed for the task? You know, it's hard to see yourself doing something when you're doing it, unless you're in the mirror. But if you could step back and look and be like, man, have you ever seen those videos uh, on, on YouTube where I think they're called gym fails? And it's people using the, the equipment wrong in the gym. It's funny. You're like, what is this person doing? But they think they're really working themselves out. And they're not doing anything. But it looks really entertaining. Like the leg machines, I've seen one where it's a leg machine, and they were laying down with their back in it and using it for their back. They, they are, they're sweating, but I don't know if it's doing much. So let's say you could step, let's say someone recorded you, and you looked and said, wow, like, I'm putting too much effort in this. Remember, you're not looking through the lens of your passion. You're looking through the lens of wisdom. Because your passion will minimize your suffering and call it noble. Your passion will minimize your suffering and call it noble. You'll look at it and say, look at how much I care. And you're like, yeah, if you would just use it correctly, it would be so much easier. Anybody know what I'm talking? I'm just talking to myself. Actually, I'm talking to the people that are listening on this. (laughs) No one knows. When you look through the eyes of passion, you'll say, look at how much I care. Look at how much I'm willing to suffer for this. Look at the pain that I'm willing to go to make this great thing happen. Look at what, ooh, and we call it noble, but it's not effective at all. Look at how much I sacrifice for my children. Is it effective? Maybe we need wisdom. Jesus is calling. But wisdom to sharpen the axe helps him succeed with less effort. Are we partnering our passion with his wisdom? Like I said, you're going to need passion to do what God has called you to do. But what about adding wisdom with it? Do my actions cut deep or do I bounce around from idea to idea? How do you know your axe is dull? Have you ever used a dull axe? Any of you? So I'm just talking to myself here. All right, so no one used an axe. Should we have axe training lessons after this? I don't even think I have an axe. And I'm an expert on it. You didn't know that. And so a dull axe, a dull axe is when you hit it, it won't cut. It won't penetrate. It will just bounce back. And so what happens is when we have a dull axe in our life, we'll think, maybe if I do this idea, this will work. Maybe if I do this, this will work. Maybe if I do this, maybe if I do this. And what's happening is we're not actually cutting deep. We're just bouncing off the issue. Bounce, bounce, bounce. And then when we look through our eyes of passion, you're like, look at how hard I'm working. I'm sweating so hard, I must be doing something great. Come on. Are things that I'm called to accomplish wearing me out? Here's a question. Are the things that I'm called to accomplish wearing me out? Now, being tired and being wore out are two completely different things. Here's the difference. Being tired is the result of hard work. You know when you work hard, you're going to be tired? Do you realize that? We're human, right? So being tired is the result of hard work, but it's with the satisfaction of a job well done. That's one of, that's one of my, I don't want to say my favorite things, but I always like Sitting down on my porch after the lawn is mowed, it's a small glimpse of what God must have felt when He's like, "Look at what I have made." <laughs> right? Sitting on that porch is like, "Look at what I have done." <laughs> and before I used to push mow, so it was a greater thing. It's like now it's riding. Look at what I've done in fifteen minutes. And there was one year that Aiden did it, and I would still be like, look at what I've created. (laughs) Hey, I had a part in that. All right. So being tired is a result of hard work. But being wore out is a result of hard work, but with the dissatisfaction of a task incomplete, Mm -hmm. stifled fruit, stagnant movement, and lack of effectiveness. Being wore out is a result of hard work, but... You're like, what am I doing? What am I accomplishing? Why am I even here? Come on. Do you see? Do you see how being tired is different than being wore out? Because wore out also deals with an emotional distress. Could it be time to sharpen our axe? I believe that many of you can relate to this. Many of you have been doing the right things but have experienced and but haven't experienced an effectiveness to your effort. This is beautiful. James 1:5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> right? So this whole time I've been talking, you need to sharpen your ask. And you're like, how do I do this? The, the scripture says, ask him, for he is generous and he will not rebuke you for asking. Yeah, thank, you. thank you, Jesus. Come on, guys. Can you imagine if we would just couple our passion with our wisdom? It will protect, it will protect us from burnout. It would instill within us a fulfillment of a job well done. It would promote momentum rather than stagnation. So now I want to talk a little bit about, so this whole time I was like, here's the problem. It could be you need to sharpen your axe. So now I'm going to say, now I'm going to tell you is how you do that. Are you guys ready? So there are three elements or three ingredients to sharpen your axe. Can you say this with me? Knowledge, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. So the three things are knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Now, knowledge and understanding and wisdom are mentioned separately throughout Scripture, but are interrelated. They're distinctive as well as melted together. So the best example that I can give for this, how many of you have ever seen a rainbow cartoon? Like just a uh, clip art. You know what I'm talking about? All the, all the colors of the rainbow are very distinct, right? There's like, what are the colors of the rainbow? Like red, orange, and they're very distinct, right? There's hard lines. But that's not how this is. Have you ever seen a rainbow in the sky? Yeah, that's true. You look at it and you're like, I see all these colors, but they all kind of meld together. There's no distinctive lines, and that's kind of how these three words are in Scripture. Yes, they have their own color, they have their own flavor, but they're kind of intertwined with one another. Does this make sense? So this is why in Scripture you can see these words kind of interchangeable. Proverbs one seven: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs nine ten: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is, uh, is understanding. So which one it, so which one is it? All of them. <laughs> they're all the colors of the same rainbow. They're distinct in, in, and we're going to talk about the distinctions, but they're distinct, but they, they have their own uh, flavor, if you could say. So let's talk about knowledge. In the most basic form, knowledge is the gathering and the familiarization of facts. So what is a fact? A fact represents a statement of truth. So a true person, a true event, a true concept, a true assessment, true information. So when my kids do a report for school, they search for knowledge. They search for facts, and then they compile them together. This is what knowledge is. Knowledge is the gathering and familiarization of the facts. And one thing that I've learned when my kids were younger is when they would study for a test, they memorized the facts, but they had no idea what they were talking about. (laughs) Let's talk about Aiden now. Aiden has an issue with... uh, He's like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I was like, I didn't even say anything, and you're already telling me that you know. So we're still working with them. All right, so did you regret that? Okay. (laughs) We can work it out when we get home. All right. Yeah. So it could have been Layla. Yeah, that's true. It probably was Layla, but still... So they would memorize the facts or they would memorize the information, but they didn't know how they fit together, right? So this refers to learning or a process of expanding the mind. Knowledge is the gathering and familiarization of facts. So does everybody understand what knowledge is? It's the gathering and knowing the facts. Okay, now obviously because these are all the same colors of the same rainbow, they kind of fit into each other throughout Scripture. But that's like the basic understanding of it. But understanding is why teaching is important. So understanding, in the most basic sense, is the correct organization and ordering of related facts and truths. Have you guys ever seen those uh, those uh, connect the dot uh, drawings? That kids do. So they'll start on one, go to two, three, four. And when you first look at it, you're like, it just looks like a bunch of dots and numbers. Right? But when you start piecing them together, it turns into a bear, a teddy bear, or whatever it might have been. Right? So this is what understanding is. Understanding will take the knowledge. Remember, knowledge is the gathering of facts the gathering of truth, but what understanding does is it takes all those jumbled dots of information and says, this is how they fit together. Does this make sense? And when you have understanding, you can look at all these different little dots and then say, that's a bear, or that's whatever it is. I don't know. Shimon, do you have any things now? Tree, right? It's a tree or a caboose or whatever, right? So just looking at it at first, you're kind of like, I'm not sure what it is. I know I have a bunch of dots, but understanding is able to take all those dots together and to see the big or full picture. Does does this make sense? Now, wisdom, in its most basic sense, is the practical application of correct knowledge and understanding. If you like how I said correct knowledge... (laughs) Right? So it is the revealed ability to make wise choices. So wisdom is to know what to do with the information that you have. How many of you can get the information that you need, but you're still like, I don't know how to proceed. What do we need to cry out for then? Wisdom. Or maybe you're like, I have all this information, but I don't know how it fits together. What should we be asking for? Understanding. And so you're like, I know, I know the facts and I have the picture of what it's supposed to be. But now I need to, how can I apply this to my life? So wisdom is knowing what to do. Knowing is how to do it. And for some of some situations is how to say it. No one knows what I'm talking about there. Some of you carry knowledge. But you don't say it correctly. You don't say, I don't say it with wisdom. And is it effective? No. I didn't know someone could get so mad when I gave that, that little piece of information. It was just a piece of information. Did you say it with wisdom? So wisdom is, when to do it, and who to do it with. So do you see that wisdom is taking the knowledge that you've gained, and then understanding is how it all fits together, and then wisdom is how you apply the knowledge and understanding to your life. Wisdom is the exercise of sound judgment, either in avoiding pitfalls or attempting good. So let let me give you an example of this. Uh, we're an uh, example of of what I was just talking about. Mark 4, 2. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Everybody following me? Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. And the the parable in this instant was the parable of the sower. So Jesus was talking to a large crowd. There were tons of people there. So he gave them knowledge, right? Everybody received the same basic knowledgeable facts and truth of his teaching, right? So Mark 4.10. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. So the people that were living with Jesus... They're like, he told these stories, but I have no idea what it means. So what were they asking for? Because they all heard what he said. They all had the same basic facts. They all had the same uh, truths of the teaching, but they didn't know how they fit together. So now Jesus brings understanding to the parable. He begins to explain what the seeds were, and the soil, and the birds of the air symbolize, etc., etc. So he said, when I was talking about the birds, it meant this. When I was talking about the soil, it meant this. So do you see how Jesus is then bringing understanding to those truths? Now from that place of understanding, the disciples then could walk in divine wisdom, Because they had the truth, but then they also had understanding, and then they could apply that understanding to their walk. So knowledge, statements of truth, will never lead to wisdom if there's not understanding. Proverbs 15, 2. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly. But the mouth of fools pour forth foolishness. The tongue of the wise use knowledge rightly. This is good, guys. That tells me that you can use knowledge. You can use statements of truth wrongly. Come on. It may be a true statement, but if you don't say it in wisdom it can be disastrous for someone. No one knows what I'm talking about, do you? (laughs) This is really social media in a nutshell. There are a lot of facts being spouted out. A lot of facts. And they're very different facts. But not a lot of wisdom and sometimes not even much understanding. Can you see can you see how a wise person can take a truth and deliver it correctly? Yeah. But it says a fool. But the mouth of a fool pours out foolishness. This should, this should convict all of us. Come on. So we can take a, a powerful truth in scripture and deliver it very wrongly. Come on. But the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly. Come on. Aren't you glad you came to church today? So what this verse is saying, you can be right, but not walk in wisdom. See, a lot of us hold being right above wisdom. A lot of times, have you ever heard the saying, would you rather be right or righteous? Would you rather be right or be in relationship? And so what's happening is we're elevating knowledge way above wisdom. Could our ineffectiveness be the result of not using our knowledge rightly? Remember, we have to sharpen our axe. And how do we do that through wisdom? Could it be that we're not as effective as we once were because we're using our knowledge in a we're using our knowledge incorrectly or not with wisdom? I'm not saying that you hide the truth that you carry. I'm just saying use it with wisdom. First Corinthians 8, 1 Corinthians 8.1. This really just sums it up. And I don't even think I'm going to add commentary to it. Now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we have all knowledge concerning this. So what is Paul saying? We know the truth of this. We know. Knowledge alone makes people self-righteously arrogant. I didn't say that. Paul said that. It's in scripture. Knowledge alone makes people self-righteously arrogant. But love that unselfishly seeks the best for others builds up and encourages others to grow in wisdom. No commentary needed. Come on. Proverbs 15.2. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pour forth foolishness. So it takes wisdom to apply truth. Proverbs 2, 2. So incline your ear to wisdom. How do we sharpen our acts? Remember, James says, if you lack wisdom, ask our generous God, for he gives it to you without rebuke. And in Proverbs 2, it says, incline your ear to to wisdom. What does it mean to incline your ear? It means to come close, to hear. Have you ever not heard someone and you're like, what's that? (laughs) You inclined your ear. (laughs) Another version will say, tune your ear to wisdom. Wisdom. Now, as a guitar player, I understand the concept of tuning. So when you tune a guitar string, you're either increasing or decreasing the tension of that string to bring it to the desired pitch or frequency. Think of pitch or frequency as the mark of wisdom for a particular situation. So when I tune the guitar, each string is at a certain pitch or frequency. So it's E, B, G. D, A, and E. So each each note has a frequency to it. And so when I'm hitting that button down there and I'm going like this, it means it went out of pitch. And I need to either increase the, the intensity, increase the tension, or decrease it. So if you add too much tension, the note will become sharp. If you don't add enough tension, your note becomes flat. So there may be situations in your life that you're trying to convey the truth that you hold, but you're being, it's not being effective because you're either too sharp or you're too flat. So wisdom is the desired pitch. So wisdom is saying, how much tension, Lord, do I need to hit the mark here? See, a lot of us have this truth that we carry and we're just sharp with everyone around us. It's very cutting. And some of us might have a truth that we carry that we're very fearful and we're very passive and we're like, well, I don't want to offend anybody. And so you'll never hit the desired frequency of wisdom. Come on. You'll never hit that mark if it's too flat or if it's too sharp? What is the desired pitch for your, for your situation? This, is all, this truth is also important when you partner with other people because it takes tension of multiple strings to harmonize a chord. So a chord is a group of typically three or more notes, pitches or frequencies, sounded together, and that's the basis of harmony. So think of a chord as a common goal for different pitches. So when I play the C chord, imagine me playing it, the angelic uh, C. So I play it, I'm playing multiple notes or multiple frequencies to get that one chord are you guys following me? So a C major chord is comprised of three different pitches. It's a C chord, or C note, an E, and a G. If one of those strings' tensions are off, it sounds funky. <laughs> if you can hear pitch, which everybody can, I don't believe there's anybody that's tone deaf. I think you can train it and get better at it, but... Have you ever heard someone, and you're like, something's off. (laughs) Whether it's singing or the guitar is like, something doesn't sound right. They're playing playing Sweet Home Alabama, and you're like, I'm not sure that's the song that they intended to play. (laughs) And so it takes the three different frequencies, or three different notes to make that C major chord. So the chord becomes out of tune and difficult to listen to. How many of you know the the universal out of tune face for something out of tune? Do you guys know what that face is? Something not right there. (laughs) They're giving it their best, but something, I don't know, is a little off. So think about this. If we are going to work well together with people, Mm -hmm. we're going to see things differently. In order to hit that C chord, we need a C note. We also need an E note, and we need a G note. Are you guys following me? Meaning, when I do something with Shimon, and this is a true statement, we are going to see things very, very differently. But guess what? When we work well together, it's beautiful. Have you ever not worked well with someone? Hmm? You make that out of tune face. (laughs) What's not working here? Come on. So if we're going to harmonize with one another, we have to recognize not everybody's going to see the world in a C note. Yeah, it's really good. Not everybody's going to see the world as a G note, but when we come together, this is why vision is so important because vision is like that. We want to play the C major chord. That is our vision. So I need you to play the C. I need you to play the E and I need you to play the G. And when we all come together, there's harmony and there's unity. Yeah. Come on. So, so what is ear training? Ear training is a skill by which musicians learn to identify solely by hearing pitches, intervals, melodies, chords, rhythms. Okay, too much information. Someone, whoever did the notes on this, they put too much there. All right. So ear training in wisdom. So how... Ear training is basically when I hear a note or I hear a chord, I say, oh, that's a C chord. That's an E chord. That's an A chord or an A minor. So how do we tune our ear to wisdom? How do we, how do we have ear training with wisdom? John ten twenty seven, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. How do we hit the wisdom, that that note or that frequency of our situation? My sheep hear my voice. They know it's me and they follow me. Are you guys seeing this? Proverbs 4, 7 Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Here's those three things again. What is the principal thing? What does this verse say? What's the principal thing? Wisdom. So what does that mean? Wisdom is the target that we're aiming at, okay? And then it says, in all you're getting, well, what are we getting? We're getting knowledge. We're, we're gathering and are familiarizing ourselves with the facts, and then it says, in all you're getting, get what? Understanding. So in all you're getting, in all you're gathering of facts, right? You need understanding because it's, it's a thing that puts it all together. And for what purpose? So that we can walk in Wisdom. Can you see why these three truths must work together? So the goal for acquiring know the goal is acquiring knowledge and seeking understanding and the goal for that is to walk in wisdom. All right. Thank you Jesus. Well, we might be done. My notes disappeared. Whoever said amen there, you need to stop that right now. All right, we'll end with this. Ecclesiastes 10.10. We know this one, right? If the ax is dull, if the ax is dull and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. But wisdom, wisdom to sharpen the ax helps him succeed with less effort. So what does it mean to have wisdom to sharpen the axe? Well, for one, do we have all the truth necessary for the task? Let's say you hear from God and you're like, I'm called to be a piano player. I don't know the first thing that, about that. When he was talking about C and E and G, I was thinking the alphabet. I had no idea what they was talking about. <laughs> So to have wisdom in that area, what do you have to start doing? You have to start gathering the facts and familiarizing yourself with the facts. So let me ask you this. In the situation in your life right now, do you have all accurate facts for that situation? If you don't, you need to start there. Perfect example of this. Someone says something to you to you and you misheard it. So you don't talk to them about it. You go home and think about it. And you think about it and you get angry. You get offended. All these emotions start happening. And then you find out later that's not actually what they said. Then you're like, oh, huh. What does it do? It dispels all that other stuff. So it's important to have the knowledge for the situation. If you're ready to go in and rip into someone and tell them uh, how the cow ate the cabbage or whatever you want to say, you're ready to rip into someone, do you know all the information? But guess what? Having knowledge alone is not sufficient. It's not sufficient. Actually, Paul says, knowledge alone makes someone self-righteously arrogant. His words, not mine. So when we gather the knowledge, we need to make sure we have an understanding. A great example of this was there was this guy on the subway. He had like three or four kids, and the kids were just out of control. And the people on the subway were getting really irritated. They're thinking, why don't this person take care of their kids? And they're getting angry. And they're getting fed up. Someone got so fed up that they said, hey, listen, why don't you take care of your kids? And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He kind of, like, wakes himself up a little bit. He said, we just came from the hospital. Their mother just died. And guess what happened in the car? Everybody started helping with the kids. Why? Because there was a truth. Those kids were out of control. But when they had understanding, what happened? They had compassion. They had understanding. They were willing to sacrifice because they knew the whole situation. Right? So it's not just gathering a bunch of information. It's knowing how they fit together. So guess what? You might look at a situation in your life And be like, that is a fact. That person is a jerk. It is a fact. I know it in my soul. But do you know, do you understand it all? Do you know the hidden things? And guess what? You may never know it. But if you lack wisdom, you ask a generous God. A lot of times when I don't understand something, say, God, I'm really upset. I don't get it. Give me compassion for this person. And maybe he just shows who they are and who he created them to be, and I can relate to them in that way. Does this make sense? So to sharpen our acts, we need to have knowledge, but then we also need understanding. And then we also need the wisdom to implement it. So let me just say these last few things. Wisdom is something that we're encouraged throughout scripture to pursue like a hidden treasure. How many of you like jewelry? It's okay if you're a man and you like jewelry, that's great. Aiden likes wearing watches. I'm not a watch person. But it says wisdom is something that we're encouraged throughout scripture to pursue after it like a treasure. Wisdom will protect us as well as promote us. Wisdom will lead us in total health, spirit, soul and body. Many people pursue success, but wisdom is what guarantees it. Wisdom helps us govern ourselves as well as lead those around us. Wisdom earns favor, etc, etc, etc. Wisdom is a worthy pursuit. And why is wisdom a worthy pursuit? Colossians 2, 2 through 3. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand, say understand, God's mysterious plan, which is, which is what? Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Why is wisdom a worthy pursuit? Because in Christ, hold all knowledge and wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you. God, we thank you for your goodness. God, I just pray that even as I was talking today, Lord, I pray that your spirit was speaking, uh, revealing, bringing clarity. Uh, even when I didn't speak effectively, God, your, your spirit was bringing understanding. And Lord, I pray if there's any situation that, that they're facing that they, that they need wisdom, Lord, I just pray that they use this truth, they use this truth to sharpen their acts. They use this truth to walk in wisdom. God, we rely on you. God, we trust in you. Let's just take a moment and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak. Thank you, Father. God, reveal I believe that there's going to be situations that felt hopeless for years. And I believe God's going to drop a piece of wisdom in your heart right now. God, we just release it in Jesus' name. To walk in the fullness of our destiny. To walk in the fullness of your calling and your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Could we have the healing team come up?